Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord Jesus. Praise, praise the Lord. Praise God. I'm excited for what's about to happen tonight. I'm so thankful. Welcome, welcome everyone. Uh, I just want us to begin because we have so many, so much to cover today. Um, most of our brethren will join us uh, as we proceed. And uh, we're streaming on YouTube as well so that uh, we'll have it for uh, reference purposes. Um, today is our second edition of the Occupying Army. Uh, first edition, we have not recovered from it when we had our brother Kyle She joined in his traveling today. Uh, was fire, was, was awesome. And I know the Occupying Army I was inspired by the Holy Spirit to address certain areas. Uh, we, we hear a lot of things spiritually, but Occupying Army is the army that God is raising to do serious work in this end time. And uh, what yeah. you, you don't just send the army into the battlefield without proper equipping and proper training. Yeah. And that's what the Occupying Army is here for. And today, it is my singular honor uh, to bring in my brother from another mother, <laughs> Pastor Kelvin Otum. <laughs> Pastor thank, Kelvin. thank you very much. <laughs> Pastor Kelvin is, is, the, is the lead disciple of uh, the Community Christian Fellowship Network. A, you know, all over a disciples people. We we have known him for some time, but we met physically on my trip to Uyo, and then we started to talk within five minutes. You know, like, you know, like attracts <laughs> like. You know, he started to speak some things that were hidden down in my heart. I said, no way. And we set up another appointment, <laughs> and then we had another one. I'm like, come on, this is too much. This is too much. We align, and and. Uh, <laughs> I'll allow him give uh, his uh, his profile because he's not just one <laughs> that is anointed, but he has the degree to show for it. <laughs> you know, so so I'm gonna get out of your way. I, I just want you to introduce. Uh, welcome to Somi Network. These are my people. Uh, a lot of yeah. them will join in later. These are the people that uh, God yeah. has put in, in in our care to disciple and raise. And God has been doing great things in our midst. And, and, and that's why we're inviting you to come lend a hand to be a blessing to the body of Christ. Uh, we know yeah. this, this meeting is going to shape, reshape a lot of things. Uh, a lot so of things. I, I just want to get out of your way and just allow. Oh, so yeah. please briefly just give, introduce yourself to uh, people that are just meeting for the first time and carry on. I'm out. I, 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 let me go and get uh, my tool. <laughs> Today I'm a student. <laughs> okay, okay. Thank you. Thank you very much, Steve. You know, um, interestingly, um, I'm also streaming live on my Instagram handle. So, um, you know, they, they may not be getting the interactive part of this, um, this meeting, but certainly will get you know, the message from, you know, what I'll be saying. And so to introduce myself, you know, like you've, um, like you've asked me to do, my name is Kelvin Otung. Um, I'm a pastor. Um, I, I hold a master's in divinity um, from Grace Springs Bible College and Seminary. Um, and, and I have done quite a lot of work, you know, in research. 
uh, my thesis in, in uh, the Bible College was the role of the church in redefining leadership and governance. The role of the church in redefining leadership and governance. And um, my, my theological scholarship exposed me to so much of what or all of what the church is or what the church is supposed to be. And it got me to seeing that um, what we call the church today is largely a misrepresentation of what the church really is. So I got exposed to so many things. I got exposed to um, several other religions, you know, because um, the institution that I, I attended, you know, the seminary I attended is, uh, is an academic institution and basically uh, deals with everything everything. So it's not um, just trying to feed you information um, concerning um, uh, the church as Christians, but it deals you everything that you need to know. So we studied other religions, you know, uh, as we did the philosophy of religions, uh, we studied um, Islamism, Buddhism, Hinduism, Jainism, Confucianism, uh, African traditional religion, pretty much everything, you know, so uh, we studied everything. And um, it got me to understanding, you know, the fact that when Paul said to Timothy, study to show thyself approved a workman who is not ashamed, there was no Bible at the time. You know, we need to understand this clearly. So, uh, but in this in this day, when we tell people study to show yourself approved, we are basically directing them to the Bible to say study the Bible. But when Paul said to Timothy, study to show thyself approved, there was no Bible. So, what was Paul telling him to study? He was telling him study everything. So that you can rightly divide the word of truth. When you when you are aware of the philosophies or the tenets of other faiths, belief systems, and religions, and you rightly understand what the Christian, the tenets of the Christian faith is, you can rightly set things apart. So if you were discussing with an atheist, for instance, someone who says there is no God, you because you understand the philosophies of the atheism, of or the philosophies of atheism, you can discuss with that person because you know where he's coming from and you can rightly present Christ to him. And the same thing happens with any other faith for that matter. But if you don't understand those faiths, if you don't know what drives them, if you don't know what builds the fundamentals of their belief system, you, you would only end up arguing with them. You would, But if you understood, you will be discussing with them because you would share things that they relate to and you can bring it to the point of scripture and show them you know, how it is from this perspective. So you're not arguing, but you're discussing. So um, that's, that's me. Um, I've grown through several, I was born into um, Lutheran church, uh, which was the first Protestant church, you know, born out of the Roman Catholic church, as it were. And then I, I grew into um, uh, Church of God Mission, Archbishop Bentley Dahosa, grew from Church of God Mission into Fountain of Life Church, um, from Fountain of Life Church, you know, um, joined Grace Network Ministries, which is now Grace Consulate. Um, from there, you know, joined House of the Rock, and I, I've served in House of the Rock, you know, to um, 
whatever level it is you want to imagine, you know, I've served in several capacities in House of the Rock. And uh, today I, I stand um, as a non-denominational um, person. Um, I have, you know, my strong reasons for that because my theological scholarship also exposed me to the fact that um, denominationalism actually divides the body um, of Christ rather than united. I mean, we, we can look, you know, um, into this all the way church history, um, how denominationalism was born, you know, the, the, the whole metamorphosing of the church from the early apostle days up until now. If we had to do that, it's, it's a subject that would take, you know, quite a long time. However, so um, I, I, I lead, I lead um, a commission called uh, Community Christian Fellowship Network, as I was used earlier on. And the name is simply a description of what uh, the mission is. Uh, it's not a denomination. It's not another brand, you know, so to say. The name just explains what we do. It just explains um, what we do. So we build fellowships in communities. I, I, I hope we're following. We build fellowships in communities. Yes, yeah. uh, the belief is this. The belief is this, that wherever you are, whichever community it is you live in, your fellowship is in that community. You don't necessarily need to pay your way from one place, one community to another to go and attend fellowship if we really understand what the church is. So if you look at scripture, Bible talks about the church in, 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 um, in Philippi, it talks about the church in, in Corinth, it talks about the church in, in Rome, it talks about the church in Ephesus, it talks about the church in, and these are places, these are cities, massive cities, big cities, you know, so when it says the church in Rome, imagine how big Rome is, and then it just talks about one church in Rome, because the church is community-based, community the church is not a denomination, as it were, but the church is simply a body of believers in Christ who hold on to the tenets, the fundamental doctrines of Christ and how it helps us to fulfill the purpose of the kingdom on the face of the earth. Our mission on earth is to replicate heaven on the earth. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. So, so, so that's what Community Amen. Christian Fellowship, that's what Community Christian Fellowship Network is about. So it, it just builds fellowship. You know, I, I get to teach on the radio as well. Um, so um, and then we host fiscal meetings. And um, a lot of people get to ask me all the time, especially when they get my contact on the radio, where is your church? And, and I tell them, I don't have a church. And I cannot have a church because it is not my church. Christ has a church, which is building, you know, and, and what we're doing right now is part of the building process for the church, which Christ is working on, hallelujah. So, so as, as we move on, we will get to understand clearly how we make up this whole body 
at the end of the day, which is an entire army which works undisrupted, not breaking ranks. You know, a lot of these scriptures, we, we interpret it a lot of the times to soothe what we are building, you know, but there is that interpretation to it. There's a definition to it which suits the purpose of God. Hallelujah. So that's, that's me in a nutshell. Um, uh, having done, you know, um, this scholarship, so I, I do a lot of um, 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 uh, scribing in Hebrew and, and New Testament Greek, um, not just modern Hebrew, but hieroglyphic um, Hebrew translations, which helps in the definition, functional definition of the words that we, we, we teach with, you know, words from scripture. Hallelujah. Because um, definitions are very important. If you don't get definitions correctly, um, your appropriation is going to be wrong at the end of the day. So definitions for me, um, or generally, is like the foundation. Definition is foundational. So Bible says, if the foundation be faulty, what shall the righteous then do? Okay, so it's important for us to get definitions clearly. So I, I want to thank once again uh, my brother Steve for allowing me this honor uh, to speak in this meeting tonight, and I want to appreciate your your wife, you know, uh, because uh, I I mean I've heard a lot, you know, I've watched you know several of of the uh, transmission, you know, the broadcast, and uh, I've, I've seen all the support she gives, you know, and uh, it's amazing. So uh, I want to say God would greatly greatly bless her and, and give her you know that strength to keep um, supporting this ministry supporting you in this ministry and making it everything that it's it's going to be um I, I also want to at this time thank you know um my brother coyote you know um i was looking forward to seeing him in the meeting you know uh, tonight really but I, I i watched i watched you know the 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 earlier series uh, the earlier edition of, of this uh, program and, and it was amazing. It was it was amazing. Um, so so revelatory, so so expository. It, it was it was mind blowing, you know. And it, it only takes you know a person who is a deep thinker. It has to be a very deep thinker, you know, to pull out those things, you know, that he pulled out from the scriptures. You know, when I when I listen to him, he says a lot of the things that I say, you know, he, you know, so we have a lot of a lot in common. So it was exciting for me to watch and to listen to him teach. It, it was an amazing, an amazing session. I look forward to meeting him, you know, um, anytime um, soon. So um, whilst um, having done that, I, I want to I want to welcome every one of us who is present in the meeting tonight, and I I, I want to pray that by the Spirit of Grace, that that God will open up your hearts and give you understanding, give you clarity, you know, so that every word that is spoken out of my mouth tonight is not going to come out of my wisdom, but by the Spirit of Grace 
that the word will, will profit every ear and every heart that hears the word tonight. Mm -hmm. And it will cause a total dramatic transformation in every life that's listening tonight in the name of Jesus. I also decree that, I also decree that for as many as would watch this broadcast eventually on YouTube, as it were, that every time you listen and, and watch on this program that something will be unlocked in your life. Amen. A potential will be unlocked in your life. Amen. Something that you never saw, something that you never thought of will open up in your life and will Amen. lead you to a place of limitlessness in God because that's where we're going. Uh, we're, we're not of those who just um, um, linger around and just rove around in the fellowship of the believers. No, we're men of power, men and women of power, and God is taking us already to a place where we begin to exhibit supernatural experiences. I, I was excited when I heard my brother Kyle say the same things that I shared with, you know, my brother Steve, you know, as I listened up to the earlier edition of this program where he said, you know, we don't need to have to board a flight or to enter a vehicle to go somewhere, you know, just as Philip did, just as Christ walked into the room without, you know, opening the locks, we can just move and, and show up where we need to be to do whatever it is we need to do. It was wow. it was amazing. It was amazing to hear that. And interestingly, over the weekend when Steve and I were together here in New York, you know, I I, I said that, and, and he 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 was so excited to hear that. Apparently, because you know maybe they talked about it earlier on. You know, Kyle talked about it in the earlier meeting. You know, but this is where we're going. We're going to the realms of the supernatural and we can never be talking about the occupying army if we're not talking about the supernatural hallelujah amen so i want to i want to take us through tonight um, on a subject on the focus that's titled the governing authority of the believer in Christ. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Yeah. And uh, as, as just as much as it was, you know, uh, interactive with Kayade, I'll crave your indulgence that uh, we be ready to read the scripture. So we probably might be happy having uh, more of an open mic session. So, uh, so most of the time you probably need to unmute your mics. Um, so that you can read. I'll just say the scriptures and you read it. That way it would make a lot of sense when you read and I point out certain things out of those scriptures. Uh, it, it, would, it, would be, it would be a really great experience. Hallelujah. Are we together? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah. Okay. Okay, great. So... Uh, I had asked earlier on that we read Genesis chapter 1, chapter 2, and chapter 3. Did we do that? Hello? Yes, we shared it. So I yes, we did. Awesome. Okay. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. It's, it's important 
because as I begin to, sometimes I, I can I can talk quite a lot. I can talk volumes in in a bit um, in a very small um, space of time. So um, I'm going to be talking. I'm going to be bringing in thoughts from those scriptures and all that. But it's important that you would have read it, so that as we're discussing it, it would be um, clear to us what it is we're talking about. Hallelujah. Amen. Okay, so let's start off with Genesis, Genesis chapter one and verse one. We're talking about the governing authority of the believer in Christ. Hallelujah. And Genesis chapter one, verse one says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, the heavens and the earth. God created the heavens and the earth, hallelujah. Verse two says, and the earth was formless and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep and the spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters and God said, let there be light and there was light. I wanna explain something within the confines of this scripture read. Genesis chapter 1 verse 1 has a space of over 6,000 years from Genesis chapter 1 verse 2. Has anybody, you know, heard that before? Yes. Fine. In, in theology, it's called the gap theory. The gap theory. There's a space of over 6,000 years between Genesis chapter 1 verse 1 and Genesis chapter 1 verse 2. And so um, whilst I was at the seminary, uh, I was engaging in some prayers over a period of time. It was a long period of time. And what happened was I, I would pray, I would be fasting and praying between Monday to Friday. I would break my fast with fruits um, on the weekend and I would start again completely dry Monday to Friday. So I was doing that for a very long time. And what I was praying for was uh, partly that the tangible manifestation of the power of God uh, be seen every time I minister. Uh, one of those nights, you know, as I was praying, because I, I prayed between 12 a.m. and uh, 3 a.m. One of those nights, as I was praying in the midst of the prayer, I, I felt a nudge, you know, and, you know, so I pulled myself together and I heard the question right in my ears, what are you praying about? And, and I said, but of course I know when God is speaking to me. So I said, I'm praying for the tangible manifestation of your power in the miraculous every time I, I minister. And then I heard a laugh, you know, he busted out laughing. And he said, but that's, that's not what I've called you to do. He said, I've called you to teach my word, and that, that's it. You know, if if I have to show up in the miraculous, it's my it's my prerogative. I you know, I'll do it when I want to, however I want to, not because you want me to show up in the miraculous. So um that, that brought me some chill, you know, and then I, I understood that I just needed to teach his word. And then another night he he came to me, I'd finished praying about 3 a.m., between 3 a.m. and 3.30 a.m., you know, I, I, I'd laid down to sleep, and then I woke up with a sharp, you know, sharp dirge, and 
I heard these questions running in my, in my head. Am I the all-knowing God? Is there anything that is hidden from me? Is there anything that will take me by surprise? Can anything happen outside of my knowledge within the space of time? So these questions were running in my head and, and I pulled myself together again and I said, but, but your, your Alpha Omega, not Alpha and Omega in Hebrew, it's Alpha Omega. There's no discontinuity in him. So it's Alpha Omega. And uh, I said, you know the very end from the beginning, nothing is hidden from you. Therefore, nothing can take you unawares. He says then, why do men speak of me a certain way and turn around, believe me another way? I said, how do you mean, Lord? And he said, when Adam and Eve ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in the garden of Eden, did it take me by surprise? So I pulled myself together again and I said, certainly not. You're all knowing, so it couldn't have taken you by surprise. So he asked me the question again and said, why do men teach us if I came with a plan B after Adam and Eve ate of the tree? He said, is it that I didn't have the power to restrain them from eating the fruit if I didn't want them to eat it? So I said, certainly, you do have the power. He said, so why don't you ask me why I did it? Why I let it happen? So at that point, I said, okay, tell me. And then he said to me, let me take you out of time. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And so I, I got it like, I started, it was like a movie at this time. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> we are always having power outage. <laughs> this, part, this, this part of the world but the, the jet is going to come up in a bit okay it's back <laughs> let's just give a little time so the network uh, resets okay using wi-fi yes, is be ready for today. They are going to hear some things that will that will shock you. Talibu <laughs> Mokosia, pray in the Holy Ghost. Oh, Rabababa, the prayer the in the 
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. In a Father, we worship you. We exalt your name, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Ira teya taya da ina nosi ika rusa ada ka ile kosi rasha da ida do. Thank you, precious Holy Ghost. Thank you, precious Jesus. Thank you, precious Jesus. Lord, we receive all that you have in store for us today. We receive all that you have in store for us. We receive all Jesus. All Jesus. Oh, yes, Yes, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Holy Ghost. Take charge of the atmosphere. We take charge. 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 We take charge
Whenever revelation like this is about to come, the enemy will always try to trick people away from benefits. Oh, my God. Shut in the nose, 
in the current in the cozy oh thank you in in the nose these are the cozy oh the spirit of revelation Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, this is this is really interesting that you know, just about when you know we're taking flight, you know, we were taxiing and we just want to take off. And then the enemy feels like, you know, he can give us stormy weather. Hallelujah. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, but, you know, we're here. We're here. We are soldiers. <laughs> we're soldiers. We don't run from stormy weather. <laughs> oh, yes. You know, so I, I was just about saying that, you know, um, when I said to God, show me the reason why you let this happen. And then he said, let me take you outside of time. And then I began to watch as though it were a movie. Then he showed me who the first governor of the earth was. I know we've never heard this. We've never, it's never been taught us, you know, all our, you know, lives as Christians and all that. Lucifer was the first governor of the earth in the day the earth was made. The reason why Genesis chapter 1 verse 1 is far apart over 6,000 years from Genesis chapter 1 verse 2. So Lucifer was created on the earth in the Garden of Eden, just like Adam was created when Adam was created or when Adam was formed, Lucifer was also formed in the garden. Um, I also asked us to read Ezekiel 22, right? 28, rather. I'd asked us to yeah. read Ezekiel 28, yes. right? Isaiah yes, 14, yes. 12 to 16, and Ezekiel 28, um, 11 to 19. 
Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We're not, we're not can, can, can somebody read those two scriptures? You know, two people, first Isaiah 14, 12 to 16, then Ezekiel 28, 11 to 19. Quick read. Um, okay, so Isaiah 14, 12 to... 12, 12 to 16, yes. Okay. Um, how you are fallen from heaven, O day star, son of dawn. How you are cut down to the ground, you who laid the nations low. You said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven above the stars of God. I will set my throne on high. I will sit on the mount of assembly in the far reaches of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. Like or you are brought down to shell, to the far reaches of the pit. Those who see you will stare at you and ponder over you. Is this the man who made the earth tremble, tremble. who shook kingdoms? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. So Amen. Somebody, somebody read Ezekiel, you know, quickly, Ezekiel 28, 11 to 19. It's almost about the same, you know, read, but, you know, a few other things are added to, to it in the other scripture. Okay, so I'll do the, to um, Okay. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, take up a lamentation for the finger of prayer. Okay. I say to him, Thus says the Lord God, you are the seal of perfection. Full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Of God. Every precious stone was your covering. The sadders, opals, and diamonds, burial, onyx, jaspers, sapphire, turquoise, and emerald with gold. The workmanship of your timbrels and pipes was prepared for you on the day you were created. You were the anointed cherub. Who covers I established you? You were the holy mountain of God. You walked back and forth in the midst of fairy stones. You were perfect in your ways from the day you were created, till iniquity was found in you. By the abundance of your trading, you became filled with violence within, and you sinned. Therefore, I cast you as a profane tree out of the mountain of God, and I destroyed you, O covering cherub. From the midst of the fairy stones, your heart was lifted up because of your beauty. You corrupted your wisdom for the sake of your splendor. I cast you to the ground. I laid you before kings that they might gaze at you. You defiled your sanctuaries by the multitude of your iniquities, by the iniquity of your trading. Therefore, I brought fire from your midst. It devoured you, and I turned you to ashes upon the earth. In the sight of all who saw you, and all who knew you among the people were astonished at you. You have become a horror and shall be no more forever. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, when we look at these two scriptures, um, it is important for us to understand that what the prophecy is communicating here is both pre. Adamic time and eschatology, meaning, you know, um, the end of all things. Okay. So um, it chronicles both the conception of 
um, the iniquity in the heart of Lucifer, his judgment and his destruction. Do we understand? Do we follow that? Yes, sir. Fine. So it is clear there in Ezekiel that Lucifer was formed in the Garden of Eden. Okay. The, the makeup of Lucifer was with precious stones and his ensemblement with, was with musical instruments such as that when Lucifer moves, it makes melody. The reason why he is or was rather the covering cherub is that he was the archangel over the cherubims. Do you follow? Yes. So some people will say that yeah. Lucifer was a choir master in heaven. It was, you know, and all that. That's, you know, as much as we can describe it, you know, but Lucifer was the archangel, the archangel over the cherubims. The cherubims are, when you look at the pictorial uh, drawings of, of angels, those angels with wings and carry trumpets, you know, they're the cherubims. They're the ones who raise worship and all that. So Lucifer, by his name, you, you saw it in Isaiah, how has that fallen on Lucifer, son of the morning? Lucifer, by the name, the name itself means morning star. Why he was given this name was because it was his job description. The name just served his job description. Lucifer was the one who stood in the presence of light, in the presence of God. Now, I know that a lot of people, I mean, as Christians, we have a lot of thoughts about who God is, you know, how God is, you know, and all that. Um, but 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 16, you know, makes it clear um, what God is, how God is. It says that God is the immortality that dwells in unapproachable light, which no one can see nor will ever see. Do we understand? Yes, sir. Now, Christ, when he came, he confirmed that. Because he said, no one has seen God at any time. Adam didn't see God. Moses didn't see God. None of the prophets saw God. Nobody has seen God at any time. Christ was the one who said it. Because Christ is God himself. And he knows no one has ever seen him. So he says, the son of man has made him visible. He says, this is the first time anybody is seeing God in a form. That Christ is made manifest. Do you understand? Yes. So Lucifer is the one who stood in the presence of this light. Lucifer also understood that no one will ever see God in a form at any time. Mm -hmm. Because Lucifer carries the light of the countenance of God, Lucifer radiates this light. God is light, right? Yes. So Lucifer is the one who stands before this light. 
And because he stands before this light, he radiates this light. I'll give you an example. How many days did Moses spend on the Mount of Sinai? 40 days, right? Yes. We always 40 days, 40 nights. Now, Moses didn't have, so to say, the presence of God as in, you know, him seeing God, him staying with God. God said, I'm, you can't even see me. I'll put you in the cleft of the rock. I'll cover your face. I'll walk past and have you see my backside. Even that was not God that Moses saw. Hallelujah. Amen. But Moses came down from that experience, having had that fleeting moment of experience, and the children of Israel couldn't see his face. Can you imagine that? Hmm. They couldn't behold his face because his face shone like the sun. And Bible says that without a veil, Moses could not speak to the children of Israel because they could not behold his face. So they had to go from behind him, cover him with a veil before he could speak to them. Do you understand? Yeah. And, and that also is a typology. It's a typology of the fact that nobody could see the face of God except through a veil. Do you understand? Yeah. It is also the reason why it is only the priests that could enter the Holy of Holies. Okay. That until the veil was broken when Christ died, we were not given access. Do you understand? Mm. Okay. So, as we begin to put this together, Lucifer understands that nobody will see God in a form. So he, he begins to trade his ambition. Now, if you look at, if you look at that scripture, you know, in, in Ezekiel and, and in Isaiah, it says from the multitude of his, his merchandise, you know, his, his trading. He, what he did was, once he conceived of this iniquity, this thought of assuming, usurping the authority of God, assuming to be God, since nobody will ever see God in a form, you know, and I am the one who is representing him, I could as well be he. Do you understand? So he, he began to train this idea with the host of with the angels in the host of heavens. Right? Now, one third, one third of the angels fell with him. They, they, they bought into his ambition. It was easy for this to happen because at that time, there were three top, the three top you know, archangels were Lucifer, Gabriel, and Michael. Lucifer for worship, Gabriel for the word, Michael for warfare. Worship, word, and warfare. Now, there are scriptures to, you know, it's not clearly written in the Bible how one third of the angels fell with him, but there are scriptures, you know, that I'll give eventually, you know, that buttresses that, okay? Um, you, you, can, you can read Revelations 9, 1, you can read um, um, Hebrews 12, 22, um, you can read Revelations 12, um, 9, uh, 3 to 9, praise the Lord. 
So, whilst this happened, when Lucifer finally had succeeded in convincing the angels under his purview, right, which is the realm of worship, to fulfill this, his ambition, they were cast out of the heavens. Now, that casting out brought Lucifer and those angels who are now demons back crashing on the earth that was created in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. Do you understand? Yes, sir. That experience is what science calls the Big Bang Theory. That experience is what science would call the Big Bang Theory. Because that fall destroyed the face of the earth because the fall was, was massive. In Luke chapter 10, verse 18, you know, Christ says, and I saw Lucifer fall like lightning. Now, because Lucifer carried the light of God's presence, because every time Lucifer showed up, the, he illuminates the heavenlies because he carries the light of the presence of God. So imagine how Moses came down from the Mount of Sinai and they couldn't look at his face because it shone like the sun. Then imagine Lucifer who has been in the presence of this light for thousands of years. And Lucifer was made out of precious stones, crystals, crystals and all that. Imagine the level of illumination. So at that form, that glory was taken off of him. Do you understand? Yes, sir. So he lost the name Lucifer from the fall because he's no more the morning star. He's no more the light bringer. That experience brought about the darkness that covered the face of the earth. Can you relate to that now? Yes, sir. So when you're reading, when you're reading in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. It's not, it's not just that, it's not how it was sequenced. Something happened that made the earth formless and void. God doesn't create a, you know, a formless thing. Do you understand? Yes. Something happened to the earth that made it formless and void. Something happened that brought about darkness upon the face of the earth because the guy who had light was stripped off of that glory. So darkness covered the face of the earth. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, at the time when this happened, there was no law in place that said, thou shalt not covet my throne. Thou shalt not seek to be like me. Thou shalt not do this, thou shalt not do that. Whether written or verbal, there was no law. Hallelujah. Amen. For that reason, Bible says that Lucifer is the father of all iniquities. Because he, he of his own, he of his own crafted the thoughts, the ambition, and all of this to usurp the authority of God. Even where there was no law. Do you understand? Mm. Bible makes us understand that where there is no law, there is no sin, right? 
Yes. Are we following? Where there's no law, there is ah. no iniquity, yes. there's no sin. Yeah. So Lucifer transgressed mm -hmm. without, without the law. Lucifer transgressed without the law. So because he transgressed without the law, he could not be punished. Do you understand? Mm -hmm. Judgment mm -hmm. wouldn't come on him because God is a just God. And God will not prove himself to be unjust. To, to bring judgment on Lucifer when there was no law. However, watch this, watch this. Lucifer was the ark over the cherubim, right? The realm yeah. of the realm of worship. Yeah. At the fall, God says, I'm going to make man in my image and in my likeness, and I'm going to put him upon this earth as the new governor even where you have fallen to, to govern the earth. However, we need to understand that, you know, even in our societies, right? If you impeach a president or a governor or whoever is in authority, you can only impeach him in the place of the law, right? Yes. You can only impeach by, by the law. And... And to put in the new president or governor, you have to swear in it by the law. Mm. Right? Yeah. So let's watch this. God, from Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, God starts the recreation process of the earth and puts everything in order again. Now, the earth was a pretty much dry place. It was a pretty much dry place, right? Yeah. And the rivers, you know, the waters were separated from the land and all that, you know, as it were. But the earth was a pretty dry place, like a desert land. So God decided at this point, I'm going to plant a garden, the same Eden, you understand, in the same Eden, he's going to plant a garden as an incubation hub for man who he has created, who he's going to create, and form in his image and likeness as the new governor, okay? But in doing this, God has to bring the devil to judgment. And God, to do this, needed to put the law in place. So God plants all the garden, all the plants in the garden that is good for food and all of that, and in the middle of the garden, he put in place two trees. How many of us know that there were two trees in the middle of the garden? Yeah. Yeah, there were two yeah. trees. But we pretty much have had emphasis on just one tree, right? Or, yes. We only talk about the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And I wonder yeah. why we never talked about the tree of life. But it was the first tree that was mentioned before the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So the fact that it was first mentioned plays a very vital role in this whole story that we're watching, okay? Are we together? Yes, sir. Okay. So then, God plants the garden and puts the man in the garden and says of every tree that's in this garden, you may freely eat of it, freely eat of it. He says, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For the day thou eatest of it, thou shalt surely die. Now, the problem we have is the word die. 
because it pronounces death, right? Yeah. And in our understanding, death is extinction, complete annihilation, right? The simple yes, truth is, the simple truth is death is not a terrible thing. So when God said you will surely die, it didn't mean that you will go extinct or you'll be totally annihilated. That's not what he meant. But we're going to see what he meant here. So God puts Adam and Eve in the garden and gives them that command. When he gave that command, did they go to the tree? Did they go to that tree? Did they visit the tree? Did they touch it? Did they do anything about it? When they received the command. Yeah, after God said to Adam, and Adam communicated to Eve and said, don't eat of this tree. Adam even told Eve, God said we shouldn't even touch it. Yeah. They passed by the tree. So they didn't see the tree every day and they didn't touch it. Just and they didn't touch it. Yeah. Fantastic. They didn't, they didn't yeah. touch it. They just looked at it, but they didn't touch it. Do you know why they didn't touch it? Do you know why they didn't touch it? They don't want to die. <laughs> okay, that's interesting. They didn't touch it. They didn't go to it because they didn't have iniquity in them. Did you get that? They couldn't go to it because they didn't have iniquity in them. Mm. Mm. Now, the one who had iniquity in him was the one who came looking for the tree. Because the tree was simply a representation of the law. Okay. And Bible makes us understand that the law amplifies iniquity. The law exposes iniquity. Do you understand? Yes. So Adam and Eve didn't have any iniquity in them. So the tree was not attractive to them. But the devil who had fallen, who had iniquity in him, who for his reason, God put that law in the garden was the one who came looking for the tree. Which was the first thing he did when he asked the question. When he came in, he said, has God said, has God put any boundary, any restrictions? Has God put the, any law in this place? Can you relate? Can you relate to that? Yes. Now imagine that, okay, I, I said the devil who had iniquity in him is the one who came in the garden and was asking the question, has God put any law in this place? Can you, can you, you read, you read the scripture. I asked you to read it like three times. Yeah, yeah. 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 So, because he had, he was the one with iniquity in him, the law pulled him to the place of the law. Now, I want you to look at this explanation. You're driving your car on the road, 
or perhaps let you know you're driving on the road and then you cite you know maybe the vio ahead road safety or the police you know especially the vios and the road safeties you'd see that people will start turning their cars in the middle of the road and doing a u-turn even when it is one way it's a one-way drive have you experienced that before yes guilty yeah guilty conscience because their papers are probably not complete there's something there's a deficiency in the state of their vehicle so they don't want to face the law do you understand mm, yeah yeah so yeah. at that point at that point the law exposes their iniquity hmm. so the devil here is the one who comes to the place of the law because the law has to expose his iniquity now adam and eve are part of god's plan first as a replacement to the realm of worship that has fallen by lucifer and the angels under his purview you would understand better now eh, why bible says that god seeketh two worshipers in humanity they that will worship him in spirit and in truth do you understand because man is an express replacement for Lucifer, who was the covering cherub, who raised worship in the heavens. Now we are the ones who are assigned to raise worship unto God. Mm. So, mm. so at this point, at this point, right, Adam and Eve are part of the entrapment program of God for the devil to fall by the law so that judgment is passed. You can now see why God allowed it to happen that Adam and Eve ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So let me ask a question that I was supposed to have asked you from the beginning. Okay, I, I even asked the questions when I talked about the experience I had. When God came to me and asked me the question, am I the all-knowing God? Is God all-knowing? Is God all-knowing? Um, yes. <laughs> you don't even have to think about it. <laughs> God knows the very end from the very beginning. God does not live in the space of time. God doesn't live in the space of time. He's not bound by time. All of time, eternity, past, present, and future consists in him. Do you understand? God doesn't live in time. He's not, he's not in time at all because everything, everything is boxed up inside of him. So time only started, see, time only, if you read that Genesis properly, time only started when he created the, the sun and the moon and the stars. And he said, you know, the sun will preside over the day, the moon will preside over the... Do you understand? Yes. Yes, so we do. Okay. So... God 
So God brings Adam and Eve in the garden, puts the tree of life, first of all, in the middle of the garden, and then puts the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The tree of life represents salvation. Do you get that? The tree yes. of life represents salvation. As much as a lot of people will say grace. Okay? The tree of the knowledge of good and evil represents the law. So some people will tell you that there was the law before grace. Mm. But you will see clearly here that it is grace before the law. Before law. Now, if you read, if you read in, in Revelations, I think it's, it's one of the scriptures that set in. Your um, Bible says that the Lamb was slain before the foundations of the world. Okay, yes. So, if Christ was slain for this purpose before the foundations of the law uh, of the world, right? Yeah. How then is it Adam's problem that he is eating of a tree now and then he is said to be punished for it? Are you thinking? Are you thinking? And they still call Jesus second Adam also. <laughs> we, need, we will understand all of this. You see, we need to understand the legal presentation, the legal presentation of the whole structure for us to relate it rightly. Okay? We need to understand it correctly. So if, if God knew all of this before he even created the earth to the point that he had already appointed it that Christ would die because of this experience, even before man was created. So why is it man's problem? Why do we attribute the problem to Adam? The simple truth is that we do not understand the purpose of God. Because if we understand the purpose of God, we're not going to be looking at the event, the act of man. Do you understand? Yeah. So the yeah. question goes, the question goes between the purpose of God and the act of men, which is superior? Purpose of God. God's purpose. Purpose yeah. of God. The purpose of God is superior. I mean, it overrides, you know, the act of men. But it is interesting here because scripture is showing us things. But sadly, we have been taught growing up and we read the way we have been taught. So we don't even think in between the lines to, to be able to pull out the message from out of it. But I, I believe that your mind is expanding as we're doing this study right now. Yes, it is. So, God, you know, comes in the beast of the garden after Adam and Eve have eaten of the tree, right? And then he asks a question, yeah. Adam, where are you? 
Is it that God was bereft of the location of Adam? He didn't know where Adam was. Flasha taking over and he couldn't find him in spirit. <laughs> no, I, maybe Adam could be misplaced in himself, but not God. God would, would always know where he is, whether he's in the flesh or in the spirit. There's nothing hidden from God. Right? So the whole, the whole compass of the universe, the whole map of the universe is in his palm. So there's no way Adam could hide from him. But let me explain something. This is, this is something that happens in law. Okay? I'm using a lot of you know, um, legal terminologies here because you know, it applies as it were. In law, when you sit in a, in a courtroom, um, and you see either the uh, defense attorney or the uh, prosecuting attorney ask the witness questions. It is called leading questions. Okay? Now, le those leading questions will allow the witness to give off certain information that will either tie up, you know, uh, the, the accused, in the case. So sometimes you hear the, the um, either the defense or the uh, prosecuting attorney get up and, and say, objection, my lord. Now, because they know that that question is going to open up certain areas of information that might indict their client. So they're trying to be defensive. You know, so it now takes the prerogative of the judge to either sustain or overrule that objection. Do you follow? Yes. Fine. So in this case, God is the judge and the jury altogether. So he's the one who is doing the, the cross-examination. And he's the one who is going to pass the verdict at the end of the day. So he asks Adam the question, and Adam gave a wrong answer, saying, you know, I heard your voice. Um, I was naked, so I hid myself. So he asked another question. Who told you you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree I told you not to eat of? Is it that he didn't know that man had eaten of the tree? Sir? And the second question, Adam answered wrongly again and said, the woman you gave me. He left Adam alone and went to the woman and said, what is this that thou hast done? The woman didn't waste time. She deferred to the serpent. When God got to the serpent, did he ask a question? No. He didn't. Because that was the point of destination. Hmm. When he got there, he simply passed judgment. Right? Yes. And from that moment, all the demons in hell knew that they were judged. From that moment, all the demons in hell knew they were judged. And so you would see when Christ gets to the place called Gadara. Bible says that there was a madman who was inhabited with demons called Legion. They came out, they brought the man from the cave, and they fell down and worshipped Christ just by the seashore. And then they asked him the question, 
Have you come to destroy us before our time? What does that tell you? It tells you that every demon in hell knows the day of execution of judgment right from the day judgment was passed in the Garden of Eden. Do you understand? Yes. Fine. So, having seen this, having understood this, we can see clearly that the purpose of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was not for the destruction of man, but it was to aid man to be a perfect witness in the law court where the devil was going to be brought to judgment. Do you understand? Do you understand? Can you hear me? We hear you, sir. Yeah, we can hear you, sir. <clears throat> okay, fine. So I said again that the purpose of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was to aid man to be a perfect witness in the place of the law for the judgment against the devil. Now, why was this necessary? It was necessary because without the knowledge of good and evil, man has absolutely no conscience. Somebody who doesn't know good from evil, how, how does he have a conscience? Can you see that? Now, yeah. it's the reason why I said we should read, you know, Genesis chapter 1, chapter 2, and chapter 3, you know, like over two or three times. So that as we're discussing, you will remember, you will see these things pop up. Okay? Now, Bible says there in, in, in chapter 3, in Genesis chapter 3, I think verse 22, it says, now the man has become like one of us. This is God speaking. Now the man has become like one of us, knowing good and evil. I will ask the question here. Before Adam ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, was he not like God? Yes, he was. He was like God. <laughs> Why is God saying now the man has become like us? Because he knew evil. Okay, interesting. You see, it's the same thing that the devil said to the woman when she said, God said, we shouldn't eat of it. He said, oh, no, God knows that when you eat of it, you'll be like him, you'll become wise, knowing good and evil. Right? You read it. Yes. Fine. Does it mean that the devil was telling the truth here and God was telling the lie? The was telling the partial truth. <laughs> the devil didn't understand what was going on, even though he knew that, you know, the consumption of the law would give man capacity to understand what is good from what is evil. But he didn't know what the tree was for. He didn't know that was his judgment that was put in place. Hmm. <laughs> you know, so Bible will say, if, if they had known, they wouldn't have crucified the son of glory. Oh. You know, so wow. God hides, God hides, you know, these mysteries 
so that the devil does not understand what he is about to do. So, Adam and Eve have eaten of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, so they have a conscience now. They can actually decide from what is good and what is bad. You know, when you when you buy your computer, okay, your computer is blank, right? Yes, it is. Yeah, even though it has a hard drive in it, mm. but that computer cannot run any program mm. until you install softwares in it. Yes. And the softwares you install in it determines what it can solve, what problems it can solve. Yes. Yeah. So, so not every computer can solve every problem. So man needed the installation of that program called conscience for man to function. Hmm. So be, when we understand this, we're not going to be crucifying Adam for eating of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Because let me show you what has happened. Uh, as long as we dwell in the place of thinking that Adam was flawed, Adam made the huge mistake. He, he rebelled against God. He disobeyed God and he ate of the tree. We're going to see humanity from a defeated position. And that's the message that we have been fed all our lives. That man failed God, man disobeyed God, and all of that. That's why sin consciousness is huge in humanity. Do you understand? Yes. But, but we need to understand this from this perspective. Now, having over the face of the earth. So man needed to be in the place of the law as a witness when the devil is being brought to judgment. Now, because man didn't put himself in this place, God who put him there knows that he, God alone, is the one who is going to restore man to the place of governorship. Do you understand? Yes. So that is what necessitated Christ coming to redeem the earth, to redeem man, to, or to redeem the earth and to restore man. Get me correctly. To redeem the earth and to restore man to the place of governorship. So mind you, mind you, that until Christ went to the cross, the devil still held the sea of all of the earth. Did you hear me? To the cross, died, rose again on the third day. Until that experience, 
the devil still held the CEO of the earth. Now, you would wonder why, you know, the devil would say to Christ, if you would fall down and worship me, all the glory of this world I will give to you. Why would he have, why would he have that impetus, that, 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 that audacity? Because he still held the, 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 the certificate of occupancy of the earth as the governor of the earth. Man could not assume responsibility as the new governor of the earth until Christ went to the cross. Can you hear me? Yes. So, yes. so Adam has this experience. The devil is judged. When judgment is passed, and as it is in our legal systems, judgment can be passed, but execution delayed. You hear sometimes, you know, awaiting trial, awaiting execution. When it's awaiting execution, it means that case has been closed. It's been judged, it's been, you know, the verdict has been passed, but the person is waiting to receive the, the wrath of that judgment. That is the position where the devil is right now. Which was why those demons said, have you come to destroy us before our time? Have you come to pass execution when it's not yet time? Do you understand? Are you with me? Yes. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Okay. Yes, I, I yes, I need to know that we're, we're together. I need to know that we're following up together. Okay. So, okay, it's, it's flickering. No, no, I said we are just speechless. Okay, okay. Um, so let me explain, let me explain what it meant when God said, the day you eat of this tree, thou shalt surely die. You see, Eden, the garden was a womb for Adam. Adam was not meant to be in that garden forever. Okay? When a woman is pregnant, do we have any mothers in the room there? Yes. Fantastic. When the child is in the mother's womb, when the child is in the mother's womb, that child is in a different world completely. That child can only feed from what the mother feeds. Exactly. Through the umbilical cord. Okay? Yes. In the same way, God planted everything that Adam needed to eat in the garden. Adam need, didn't need to plant anything. Can you relate? Yes, yes. Fantastic. Now, Adam didn't need to plant. He didn't need to do anything. He just needed to eat and tend the garden. Just eat and tend the garden. When it was time for Adam to be birthed out of the garden, okay, the whole judgment process for the devil came to pass where the devil came in and then they ate of the tree and then they gave conscience 
And then God said, you know, it's not okay for man to stay here again because he has grown full term. He needs to be birthed out of this womb called Eden. When a child leaves in the mother's womb for more than nine months, what do you call it? It's, it's called complications, right? You know, it's a complicated, you know, birth situation. Overdue. It's, it's overdue. It, it means that there's a complication somewhere, right? Yes. You forced out. Fantastic. So the child needs to, needs to be forced out of, you know, the, the, the womb so that it doesn't yes. cause problems for the mother. And okay. The and the child itself. Fine. So Adam has grown to full term maturity in the garden and needs to leave the garden. So the whole experience happened. Right. At this point, that is what we call birth, death, because a child that is born dies to the world in its mother's womb and is birthed out of the face of the earth. Do you understand? Yes. yes sir. So when that child is born, whilst it was in its mother's womb, that child didn't need to express any initiative to eat food. It didn't eat from its mouth, right? No, no, it didn't. It fed from the umbilical cord. Yes. So it didn't. It didn't use its hand to do anything. It didn't use it. It just fed. Whatever the mother ate, that was what it ate. You know. But when the child is born, that child needs to express initiative to eat food hmm. by by suckling by drawing milk from its mother's breast. Now, I'm a father, you know, I've watched my children grow and I have watched other children grow. And I've also seen that there are times when babies are born and they don't even know how to suckle. So we have to teach them how to draw milk from the breast. At that point, the child needs the express initiative to be able to eat food. Okay? So when Adam was taken out of the garden, mark my words. I said, Adam was taken out of the garden. He was not chased out of the garden as we were taught, you know, a long time ago. Because people make, I mean, we were taught to believe that God was upset with man. You know, he was so angry that he chased Adam out of the garden and all that. No, God didn't, God wasn't angry. Some people will say God cursed man, you know, and all that. No, no, he didn't curse man. But the ground, received the ground, mark my words, the ground received, you know, an, an instruction by what had happened to resist, to resist man. Now, I, I mean, uh, uh, my brother Kayode, you know, did an exegesis on this scripture, you know, when he took the first series, the fact that, you know, it had not rained on the earth because there was no man to till the ground, right? Are we together? Are we together? Yes, we are. Fine. Yes, we are. So yes, if, we are. 
if scripture is telling us that God had not caused it to rain on the earth because there was no man to till the ground. By, by, by reverse psychology, we should understand that it was part of God's plan, right? That man will till the ground. It was part of God's plan that man was going to till the ground at some point. Can you relate? Are we together? Yes, we are. So if man was going, if man was going to till the ground, if man was going to till the ground, it was going to be outside of the Garden of Eden. God said this in Genesis chapter two. We're dealing here in Genesis chapter three, where. God is taking man out of the garden. Now, if God were angry with man, why will he in the first place begin to, you know, kill a lamb and make the first leather jacket, fur jacket, and clothe them? For an angry God who is angry with this man. But look at it in the same way when a child is born. The child is born naked, right? But before that child is born, you, pro you probably have made plans and have bought, you know, so many clothes for that child. As much as you would scan to know the sex of the child, you'll buy, you know, which of the sex it is the scan has revealed to you. So God knows that outside of Eden, this is the weather condition and it is going to require a certain kind of clothing so he makes that clothing. That's a caring God. That's a loving father. So he makes the first leather jacket, the first fur jacket, and clothes Adam and Eve, and, and then, you know, births them outside of Eden, from, from Eden, you know, to the face of the earth. Can, can we relate? So, Having understood this, having seen this, how then would anybody on the face of the earth begin to tell you that, you know, you are at enmity with God. God is so angry with you. God is so, you know, because, because you carry an Adamic sin. But let's understand that if we continue, if we continue to highlight the fall of man in the place of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and by that drag it up until this time, we make the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ of no effect. It mm. makes his death, burial, and resurrection of no effect. Because his work, the reason why Christ came was to restore man, reposition, or rather, that, that's even the, the, the first positioning, as it were, of man in the place of Godship. Because God declared it in what I call the coronation of man in Genesis chapter 1, verse 28, when God said, declared to man, be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth, subdue it, and have dominion. 
I call that the coronation of man. So at that point, man was declared new governor over the earth. But how many of us understand that even when a governor or a president has been voted into office, he does not assume that office, he does not begin serving in that office until he's sworn in. Yeah. So we've seen recently how it played out in the United States of America when Trump, you know, refused to leave the office. And, and if you read, if you read, you know, the, the story of David, after the, when David was anointed king, David was anointed king. He was still a shepherd boy, right? How many years did it take between when David was anointed king as a shepherd boy to when he ascended the throne? We'll find out that even after Saul had died, even after Saul had died, David did not ascend the throne. Mm. So, so man was created to be governor over the earth. But that governorship had to be activated after Christ had redeemed the earth and created that room for a swearing in for man to sit on the throne and govern the earth as governor over the earth. And that was only after the certificate of occupancy, the CEO of the earth must have been taken from the devil. So we're talking about the governing authority of the believers in Christ. I believe you can relate that to the topic now. Are, are we relating? Yes, we are. Fantastic. So every believer in Christ needs to understand that God had redeemed us, that God had, by Christ, by Christ, God has restored us to the place of governorship over the earth, whereby the devil is no longer God, the God of this world, or the governor in this world. Can you hear me? Hear you, sir. Yes. When Christ rose from the dead, he said, all power in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Bible said that he, he spoiled principality, he made public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in all. Christ crushed death. Christ crushed the power of the enemy, took all the authority, even that which had been given to Lucifer whilst he was governor over the earth. Christ says, all power in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And Christ now hands over that authority to humanity. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Christ hands, Christ hands over that authority to us and says, go down in this might, for I will be with you even now until the end of the age. 
So up until the end of time, Christ has, has been with us. Christ is with us. Christ always will be with us as the governors of this earth. But as much as we do not understand this, we will never be able to assume our position or resume our position as governors over the earth. My brother Kyle, they talked about a lot of things that, I mean, it really, really um, excited me to, to listen to him. The fact that, see, everything, everything responds to you. You can lay hands on the earth and speak to it and it will hear you. It is so sad that the minds of Christians are so boxed up, so limited that we cannot even conceive, you know, the things that are available unto us. We have so much of power inside of us and yet we do not even understand it. It's possible that you can travel without boarding a flight or entering a vehicle. It, it's, it's, it's not abnormal. And it is not demonic. We have relinquished all the powers that we, that we could have, that we should have, and all the oppressions that we should express to the kingdom of darkness. To think that if, if somebody, you know, disappeared from here and appeared in another place, oh, that's evil. Philip did it. Christ did it. I mean, several other people have experienced it. I am looking forward to, you know, experiencing it because I'm, I'm growing myself into that consciousness. I've been talking about it. I spoke about when I teach on the radio. I've talked about it a couple of times. I've talked about it with my wife. I said, I, I told my wife, you know, um, don't be amazed if you see me, you know, show up in, in Lagos, you know, um, just like that. Can you hear me? Are we together? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So there, there are possibilities, there are things that we can do. But we need to first of all understand that we have the authority. We need to know that we are empowered. We need to know that we are the governors over this earth. Because all authority has been given unto us. He says, I've given you every authority that you trample upon serpents and scorpions and every power of the enemy. And he says, Lord, nothing will be able to harm you. What more do you need? What, what extra power do you need? He has given you everything. And in order, in order for us to begin to reign, in order for us to begin to reign, we need to know how to appropriate this power. That's the reason why Christ set this structure in place. What we call the church today. And the church, as it were, the word church is, is an English word. It's an English word. The word originally is from the Greek word, ecclesia. And my brother Kyrie, you know, used the word 
severally, ecclesia, the ecclesia, the ecclesia. We need to understand what the ecclesia is. The ecclesia is not a building. The ecclesia is not date and time on calendar. So it's not Sunday, it's not Wednesday, it's not Friday, all night. That's not the ecclesia. The ecclesia is a government. The ecclesia is, is governmental. So we need to understand clearly that when Christ said to Simon, the guy we call Peter, his name is Simon. Christ said to him, oh, after he had asked the, the disciples the question, who do men say that I, the son of man, am? And then they gave public opinion. Some say you're Elias, some say you're John the Baptist, some say you're this, some say you're that. He said, okay, fine, that's public opinion, but who do you say that I am? And after a while, Peter popped up with the answer and said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. Christ said, flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my father, which is in heaven. He said, thou art Peter, and upon this rock will I build my ecclesia, and the gate of hell shall not prevail against it. Now, let me give you clarity to what the Ecclesia is. The, the name Ecclesia is such as you would have your Senate, the National Assembly. But at the time when Christ walked the face of the earth, Rome was the world power. So Rome governed several territories, had taken over several territories around the world. And wherever Rome had taken, taken over territory, they put their governor there. They put a governor there. Now, that governor was part of the ecclesia. He was a chosen one. He was a, select, a selected person by the Roman government, by Caesar. Because Caesar would pick his Senate members. That's why the name ecclesia translates the select ones or the called out ones, the called out. So Rome's governing council was called the Ecclesia. Christ committed, I repeat, Christ committed treason when he made the statement, I will build my Ecclesia upon this rock. Now, let me also explain what that rock means. The name Peter, which means the rock, of course, you know, his name was not Peter. His name is Simon. His father's name is Jonah. So he was Simon Bar Jonah. Simon, son of Jonah. That's what that means in Hebrew. Now, Peter or Simon, as it were, was the aggressive one. If you do an exposition and, and you know a, a research on the nature, the character of the guy Simon Barjoner, you will see that he's an aggressive guy. He's a stubborn guy. He's the one who is quick to draw his sword, cut off someone's ears, say, "You can't take my master." He's the one who says to Christ, "No, don't wash my feet, for you know I'm but your servant." Christ said. If I don't wash your feet, then you're not even my servant. He says to Christ, okay, then don't just wash my feet, wash the whole of me, give me a full bath. 
He's the same guy who says, if it's you, beat me to come on the waters. He's the one who stands before Christ and says, no, I'm not going to let you go to the cross. And Christ said, get behind me, Satan. Now, when you look at the nature of the character of Peter, he's an aggressive guy. His blood was hot, you know, like some people say it was the Wafarian, you know, <laughs> you know. The guy was an aggressive guy. So he earned the title, the name, the nickname, Peter, because he was an aggressive guy. Now, remember also that the Bible tells us that the kingdom of God suffered what? Violence. And the violence taken it by force. Now, these words in English might, you know, spark up certain sentiments when we say violence and violent, you know. But the point is, the kingdom of God is going to suffer resistance. That's what it means. The kingdom of God is going to suffer resistance and only they who are resistant enough will take it. Do you understand me? Yes, sir. Are we still together? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Perfect. So then, by Christ making that statement, I will build my ecclesia, he was communicating strongly that there's a new government in town. And this government is going to take over the earth. Now, it was for that reason that the Roman government had the, 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 the rights, the powers to interrogate him. Now, remember that first of all, Christ was a threat to religion. He was a threat to the religious people. Like Judaism did not like him because everything he taught was like against what they had believed. So every time he stepped on the toes of religious people and he spoke against one of the things that they held so strongly, you know, as the most valued thing, you know, that they had as a symbol of their faith, their temple. He said, destroy this temple and I'll rebuild it in three days. And they wanted to kill him. But because the time was not right, they couldn't kill him. But when the time was right, he pronounced, he made a pronouncement, a treasonable pronouncement, which allowed him to be arrested. Can you hear me? Are we together? Yes, sir. When the time was right for Christ to go to the cross, he made a treasonable statement that allowed the Roman government to arrest him. So when we, when we understand this clearly, we will begin to see the church in its real picture, in its true person, what it is on the face of the earth. For that reason, Christ would say to his disciples, ye are in this world, but ye are not of this world. Just as well as you have the United States Embassy in Nigeria, they are in two places in Nigeria, in Lagos and Abuja. And where those embassies situate is not Nigeria. 
Although that land is Nigerian soil, but that space is not Nigeria. The reason being that the laws of Nigeria do not hold in that space. And you know what is even the most amazing? The most amazing is that every car, every vehicle that is owned by the embassy, as it's driving on the road, wherever that car is, that is not Nigeria. Do you understand? Can you follow? Yes, we are. So you see why, you know, Namdi Kano was in Nigeria and talking in Nigeria, you know, doing one or two things and the next minute you didn't see him in Nigeria again. Even when the Nigerian government was looking for him, the next thing he showed up in Israel. Simply because he ran into an embassy which like the Nigerian authority has absolutely no powers to go to. And they drove him in their diplomatic vehicle to the airport, straight to the tarmac, and he left the, the, the vehicle and boarded the plane and flew out of Nigeria. So in the same vein, anybody could commit treason in his nation if you can find your way into the embassy of any other nation within that nation, you're secure. Now, something should hit you by this explanation. Bible says what? That the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runneth therein and they are saved. Do you understand? You see, <coughs> excuse me, as believers in Christ, the laws of the world, the laws of the world, the principles of the world should not hold waters wherever we stand. I don't know if you're getting me. I'm trying to un unlock something inside of you. I'm trying to unlock power like you have never, ever imagined in your life. If you understand this clearly, there is so much power locked up inside of you, you don't even understand. But that power will also not be effective if you have not learned to use it. But how can you even use it when you don't even know it's there? How can you even use it when you don't know how to appropriate it? The reason why the occultic people are doing things and you marvel and then you begin to think that it is because it's evil, it's, it's the power of the devil, it's evil and all that. There's no power in this universe that is not the power of God. I take that again. There is no power within the realms of this universe, within the entirety of everything that is seen and unseen that is not the power of God. People only use it for the wrong purposes. 
So it is not wrong, it is not out of place for you to disappear and appear somewhere for a good cause. We shouldn't be fretting. We shouldn't, we shouldn't be scared of you know, certain things and all that. I mean, we're too powerful. We're too powerful. If you understand the authority that you have as a believer in Christ, if you know what it means that Christ lives inside of you, that the God of all creation dwells within you, You, you can't imagine what you what you carry. I was I was explaining with my you know when I when I I was talking with my brother Steve here in New York, and I said, you know, you know, a lot of people don't really know who God is and what God is and how God is. So with our limited mindset in how much we are trying to frame God into a box you know put him in an image and and say okay this is how god is probably he's sitting somewhere far up you know in, in the skies you know far 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 somewhere that's where heaven is so he's sitting up somewhere there you know that's how we that's how we live with god so i was explaining i said if we had to build a spacecraft okay and let's say that this spacecraft does not use fossil fuel am i communicating are you hearing me Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I, I want to be sure. I want to be sure that we're getting everything that I'm saying. That the network is not, you know, flickering in between. Okay. So, and I said, if we built a spacecraft that draws energy from the atmosphere, from you know the space itself, that it doesn't need fossil fuel, so it will never run out of fuel. Because the energy, you know, like you would say, solar energy, it is powered by the solar system. And then we take enough food that would last us like a, a hundred years, a thousand years, load it in the aircraft and begin to drive into space to say we're looking for God, we're looking for heaven, where heaven is and all that. You will drive to eternity on ending and will never, ever find an end. Even if you had to drive a thousand years, even if you had to drive a million years and still be alive, you will never find an end. Now, put all of that space together, all of that space together that holds the entirety of the universe and all the solar systems and all the planetary bodies and everything that you can ever imagine. Put all of that together. That's what God is. That's what God is. He's the life-giving and sustaining force of the entirety of the universe. He's invisible. He's invincible. You can never see him. You will never see him. That's why Timothy says that he is the light. He's the immortal, light immortal. That he's the immortality that dwells in unapproachable light, which no one can see nor will ever see. But we are fortunate that this God decided to make himself manifest in the midst of us when he took up flesh and was born by a woman. 
and his name is Yahusha. And we call him Jesus in English. And so he stood up and said, no one has seen God at any time, but the Son of Man has revealed him. So Christ is fully God and fully man because God decided to show himself in a form as humanity. And in his appearance on the face of the earth, he taught us all that we needed to know. As much as we could not comprehend everything, he said when the Holy Spirit comes, he will bring us to the understanding of the totality of who he is. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So we embody Christ. We embody. So I want you to have a mind expansion experience as you begin to think of the vastness of God, the limitlessness of God. And let me also explain something to you here. When we say God, G-O-D, G-O-D, the name God is not the name of, of him who created all things. That's not his name. That name, God, is a term. It's a term for, put it down, giver of dominion. When you hear God, it's simply a term for giver of dominion. It's an acronym for giver of dominion. And it's the reason why Christ would say the God of this world. And it's the reason why you hear that there are several gods. Okay, so it is not, he's not just God because you give him a capital G and a and, and O and D. But of course, when you add the almighty to the G-O-D, then you're referring to Yah. When you add, when you add the term almighty, to the G-O-D, then we know that you're referring to Yah. And I say Yah, Yah is Y-H, which is his name, Yah. And, and we, we generally call it Yahweh, but it is Yah. That's how it's pronounced in Hebrew, Yah. And it's spelled Y-H-W-H, Y-H-W-H. Y-H-W-H is yod hey wall hey yod hey wall hey If you've listened to Doncio Yekon's song, just breathe your name upon me, breathe. Just breathe your name upon me, breathe. yod hey wall hey is your name, breathe, Lord. Just breathe your name upon me, breathe. He was spelling the name of God there, yod hey wall hey and the beautiful thing about the name Yahweh is that it actually explains the, the creation of man. There's so, there's so much that is, that is, that is encoded that if, if, we, if we knew, we would be blown out of proportion. The name of God, the name of God is actually, actually explaining, explaining the creation of man. Yod he wo he. 
The, the, the letter Yod in Hebrew is the outstretched arm of God. Yod is the outstretched arm of God. Hey is the breath of God. So when Bible says that God breathed into man the breath of life, and man became a living soul, that breath is hey. War is a pillar in modern day architecture. In ancient time, it was called the tent peg, the tent peg. In modern day architecture, it's the pillar. And war is the number six in Hebrew, which is the number of man. And then you have hey again, which is the breath of God. Why do we have the two H in the name Yahweh? Because it communicates the inhaling and exhaling. You breathe in and breathe out. You breathe in and breathe out. So every time you breathe in and out, you ought to be communicating the glory of God. Hallelujah. Is somebody hearing me tonight? Yes, sir. Every time you breathe in and breathe out, you ought to be communicating the life of God. You're supposed to be communicating the glory of God. So when Bible says, let everything that hath breath praise the Lord, it is not in your standing up and opening your mouth and saying, praise the Lord. Because for that reason, Bible says that they, they, they speak, they glorify me with their mouth, but their heart is far away from me. Hallelujah. Because when you come to the consciousness of who you are in God, in Christ, then you know that the very essence of your breathing in and breathing out is causing the glory of God, you know, to be made manifest. The fish, whilst it's in the water, is expressing the glory of God. The bird, as it's flying in the air, is expressing the glory of God. When you, when you catch a bird, a bird and put it in a cage, or you catch a fish and you put it in an aquarium, that fish is not expressing the glory of God that bird in a cage is not expressing the glory of God. In the same vein, when man is entrapped, when man is enslaved, when man is, is, is subjugated, man does not express the glory of God. Bible says, my soul is escaped like the bird from the snare of the fowler. We need to understand, I just have to wrap up, you know, right now, you know, there's, there's so much to this. I said to my brother Steve earlier on that we may have to, you know, um, have some of the sessions, you know, to this. But let me just wrap up because we're almost getting to 8.30 right now. Um, you can never understand how much power it is you have if you are not liberated from the mentality of the defeated in the place of the law right from the Garden of Eden. Now, we have lived through our Christian faith. 
with as much as we have learned. And, you know, God still, you know, shows himself um, in the midst of us doing all of the things that he's doing. But like my brother Coyote said in the first meeting, he said, the earth, the whole of creation is waiting still for the manifestation of the sons of God. Why do you think creation is waiting? Because there's something that needs to be unlocked. There's something that's been hidden. There's a mystery that has been hidden and needs to be unlocked so that men can come to the place of understanding of the kind of power that they carry. You carry such power like you never understand, it, you never have imagined in your life. And I want you tonight to begin to remove from your mindset the fact that man had so forsaken him, you know, had been so forsaken because he had failed God, because, you know, he had he had sinned against God and God got angry with him and God, you know, became, became you know, so, so, so disconnected from man, you know, and all that. Begin to understand that everything that happened in the place of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was part of the plan of God to bring the enemy to judgment so that man can resume or assume rather office as the governor of the earth. Having done that, that Christ had come and Christ had died and Christ rose again from the dead and Christ had taken over every authority from the pit of hell, all power and in heaven and on earth being given to him and he has given that to us. It is time for us to begin to exhibit the power and the authority that we have as governors over the earth. There's so much that there is for us to do. There's so much for us to do. The harvest is too ripe. The laborers are needed. One interesting thing you need to understand is this. You see, when Christ said, I will build my ecclesia, he didn't talk about, you know, all the buildings, massive buildings we're building around. We're building a lot of big buildings. Uh, there are so many things that we need to deconstruct. As much as we have several denominations, that is not what Christ is looking at. Christ is not looking at the structures that are being built, you know, the people who are congregating in the various denominations. But what I can tell you is this, Christ is going to pick from those denominations people who will make up his army. So several, several of, of our church leaders, several of our church leaders in the very near future are going to pass away. Several of our church leaders are going to pass away. And it's going to be shocking. And it, it has started already. Because denominationalism is a tool in the hand of the devil to breed division in the body of Christ. We need to understand it. But within these denominations, God is going to pick his his, his people, he's going to build his army from it. So that we're not going to be engaging because we are of this denomination or of that denomination. Bible says that a kingdom that is divided against itself cannot stand. 
denominations have divided us. We have certain affinities and sentiments, you know, that, that bind us to, you know, the denominations that we belong to. But the reason why God has raised a ministry like so many, you know, uh, network ministries is, is to build that platform that will begin to grow its, its army. The reason why we have Community Christian Fellowship Network is to build that army. So God is pulling his people. You, you, you still probably have time to fellowship, you know, under the denominations, but that's not a problem. But there's a purpose that has been set before the foundations of time, which we are fulfilling. And I'm excited that as many of us that are here tonight are part of this assignment. And I want you to know that you are, you are so, so valuable in the sight of God that you are in this place tonight. It's not an accident. It's not a mistake. It's a divine arrangement, one that has been put in place before the foundations of the earth. Because God's purpose was in place before the world began. So as much as you are here, I want you to understand that you are a valuable tool, that God values you so greatly to have brought you into this ministry. I want you to begin to see yourself as one that is special in the sight of God. However, however, our place is not to discriminate. Our place is not to castigate. Our place is not to judge. Our place is not to, you know, segregate. We are to build ourselves together. We are to pull ourselves together. We're going to have a lot of, a lot of, you know, collaborations to do in order to build this army that will occupy. But it is fundamentally critical that we understand who we are as a government, that the ecclesia is a governmental body, heaven's government represented on the earth. There are so many other things that I'll share, you know, maybe um, in some of the meetings when we, when we meet, talking about the, the, the communion, talking about um, the, 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 the pillars that hold the, the brotherhood, you know, together. There's, there's so many things that we, that we need to understand that will enforce this authority that we have. Like I'd always say, there are two things that hold fundamentally the brotherhood of the Christian faith together. First, it is the communion, which is the common union of the brotherhood. And secondly, the commonwealth of the brotherhood. There's a whole lot of teachings, you know, to that. We'll look at it, you know, critically some, 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 some of the time. However, at this point in time, I would like us to raise our voices and begin to speak in the spirit. As much as you have heard tonight, as much as you have heard tonight, begin to speak in the language of the spirit and ask God by this spirit to, to shed more light 
to what has been said. God is going to be showing you things. Your mind is going to be blown. You're going to you're going to be in your sleep, and you're going to see. You're going to begin to see visions. You're going to be you'll be awake, wide awake, and you're seeing things happen because your mind has been activated on another level to begin to think like Christ. Bible says you have the mind of Christ. Let this mind be in you the same which was in Christ Jesus. You have a mind expansion program. You will begin to think in ways that you couldn't have imagined. You begin to see things. You begin to hear things. God is going to lead you. Begin to speak in the language of the spirit. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Father, we thank you this evening. Oh, thank you, Jesus. We thank you because your word is powerful. Your word yes, is true. Father. Your word is life. Yes, Father. We thank you because you have spoken through us tonight and we have heard you. Father, we thank you because your word is potent. It will never return to you void without accomplishing the purpose yes, for which Lord. it is sent. Yes, Lord. Therefore, I speak, Lord, Father God, tonight, that every heart that has heard this word tonight will grow a hundredfold in the name of Jesus. Amen. Father, I speak and I declare that their eyes begin to open. 
I speak that their ears begin to open. I speak, Lord, for the King of glory that their senses begin to open. I declare, Lord, for the King of glory that they do not operate only by their five senses, but that they operate, Lord, 15 senses, five in their soul realm, five in their spirit realm, and even more. In the name of Jesus. Father, I declare that their sensitivity in the spirit grows higher and higher than their sensitivity in the physical. Father, for your word says to be be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Therefore, I decree that they are mindful of the spirit. I decree that they are mindful of the spirit. Lord, that they grow more spiritually than they do physically. That they will pay more attention to the things of the spirit than the things of the flesh. Father, Lord, I decree that for every heart that has heard the word tonight, Lord, that there be a dramatic turnaround Amen. in their lives in the name of Jesus. Amen. Father, Amen. I, speak, I speak a miracle into their lives as evident from this word that they have heard tonight Amen. in the name of Jesus. Amen. Father, I decree that there be a testimony in their lives. Lord, for the King of Glory, as they set out, Lord, for the King of Glory, beginning tomorrow, oh God, I decree and declare, Lord, for the King of Glory, that unprecedented, unprecedented miracles begin to happen in their lives in the name of Jesus. Father, that thing, that thing, that thing that they had sought for, that thing that they had sought for, that thing that they have been believing you for, Father, because of the activation of this confidence in that they have come to know that they are now governors over the earth. Father, every word they decree, oh God, every word they decree out of this understanding, Lord, Father, I decree that the earth will hear their voices and the earth will yield increase for them in the name of Jesus. I decree and declare that everything they lay their hands on begins to prosper in the name of Jesus. Before you, oh God, there is nothing that is living or not living. There's no non-living thing. There's no living thing. Everything is alive before you. Therefore, even the things that we consider inanimate, Father, before you are living. Therefore, every, every, so to say, non-living things in their lives that have been out of place before now. Father, I decree a restoration in the name of Jesus. Those things, those things that were considered impossible, those things that were considered impossible in their lives, those things that they had received information as being impossible in their lives. Father, I decree it is restored in the name of Jesus. Amen. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We know you've done it. We know you've done it. We know you've done it. In the name of Jesus. Amen. I want you to understand that you have entered into another realm. You've entered into another realm of spirituality. Thank you, Jesus. You see, the knowledge you just had this night, Mm. you don't get it anywhere like that. 
you know why they call it secret cult? Mm. When they say secret cult, cult in, cult in itself, the word cult in itself is, is secret. It's something that is covered. Mm. The word mystery, the word mystery is something covered. Mm. And so I don't understand it when Christians run away from the word mystery, which mm. is where you get the word mystical. Mm. And then we think it is diabolic. Mm. Do you understand? We run away from a lot of things because we don't understand. We don't have an understanding. <laughs> what you just heard tonight is a mystery. Mm. It is something that is not heard everywhere, mm. and so it has opened you to another realm of spiritual experience. Thank you, Jesus. You, do you know why the devil distorted? You know the network. Just about when we want, because he doesn't want you to know. Yes, yes. He doesn't want you to know. But God is bigger than anything that you can ever imagine. You can't even you can't even fathom the the size of God. Don't even try to comprehend it. He's he's endless. He's endless. So so when people say he's in heaven, I don't understand it. Because you're trying to create a place for him to sit and stay, that's where he resides. No, he's beyond all of that. We're getting into another realm, we're getting into we've gotten into the realm of the supernatural. You begin to say things and and they happen, and you will marvel. You want to go out and it's raining, and you you speak to the elements, you speak to to the the constellations, you speak, and and the rain will cease. You know, you will hold you will hold the elements together because you know how to take authority. Yes. I want you to know that something extraordinary, something supernatural is birthed in your life today. I would, I would, if, if there's any questions anybody would like to ask at this point, you know, you can ask the question, we'll deal with it. And then, you know, uh, my brother Steve will, will close us. Thank you so much, sir. Questions, if you have questions, please just uh, identify by raising your hand so I call you orderly questions. Ekene, you said you have numerous questions. <laughs> Hello, good, good evening, everyone. Good evening. Good evening. Good evening. Okay, I would like to know the significance of God telling Eve um, Making childbirth hard for you and the rest of women. What was that? Why? Why did he do that? You see, um, just just as it was when he said, you know, um, to Adam, you would out of your sweat will you eat food? You'd have to till the ground, uh, and the woman that you know childbearing would be painful. I, I want us to I want us to see that if there is cause and effect, there is cause and effect, mm. not because not because you know um, this is the intention, but there's a scenario here um, with what I painted the the whole situation of the courtroom, right? Mm. Um, we say that when two elephants fight, uh, the grass suffers. Mm. 
right? Mm. So mm. there's an event that is taking place here, okay? Somebody is being brought to judgment. You have to stand as witness. You're going to, the law is going to rub off on you. You're not outside of the law. You're within the confines of the law. The law is going to rub off on you. This is exactly why Christ needs to restore man. He needs to clean man up again, you know, to put him in the place of governorship. So all of those things that you see there are, are the effects of the experience of the place of the law. Do you understand? Yes. Does, does it make any sense? Yes, it does. Yes, it does. Yes. Yeah, so, yes. you know, yes. especially, especially as it has to do with this scripture, it is all legal experience. You know, it is an expression of the, 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 the um, Godhead, you know, God being the judge of all, you understand, administrating in these affairs, bringing judgment to the one who had conceived iniquity and had fallen by iniquity without the law. But for there to be a, a, a you know, an installation of a new governor, they both have to pass, the old has to be sent out, you know, by the law, the new has to be instated, you know, from in, in the place of the law. So the law has to rub off, as it were. So those were pretty much, you know, um, like, like resultant effect that like, you know, uh, it's, it's just a, a chain reaction as it were. So God is telling you, he's, that wasn't even like a proclamation of punishment as it were. It is, it is like to say, because this has happened, this is what you're going to experience. So he's, he's giving you foreknowledge of what you're going to experience. Do you understand? Yes, I do. Thank you so much. Any other question? Uh, Ufedo. Okay. Um, at the beginning, you said um, there are three top angels, the worship angel and the warfare angel. Then it was still Lucifer. He wasn't devil. Why was there need for a warfare angel? <clears throat> now, uh, we, we understand uh, Michael as, you know, um, the archangel over warfare, you know, will say he's the minister of defense. Now, whether there was there was chaos or there was no chaos, you know, God had set that strata in place. He just set that strata. In. They, were, they weren't battling over anything. Do you understand? They weren't battling over anything. Uh, but he had. But he had. He had, you know, uh, had, you the know, angels, uh, the angels over warfare. That's that's the best way we can articulate it, you know, in English language, as it were. All right. So, word worship and warfare. However, this is also uh, the the other side of it. God, being all knowing, knowing everything from eternity past. Mm. to eternity future mm. understands what is going to play out in between so he sets everything in place yeah. come on now yeah so good. 
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Any other question? All right, go ahead, please. <laughs> yeah, all right, we're waiting for you. Sorry, I was using my earphones. Can you hear me, please? Yeah, yeah I can hear you. Yeah, All right, then. So you said something in the Garden of Eden, how God let or allowed Adam and Eve to eat of the food, or, or eat of the tree of good and evil, and yes. how God could have stopped them if he wanted to. Do you understand? Yes. I just need yes. to ask that, how would you explain the will of man in relation to the omnipotence of God? Do you understand? I can I don't because we've been taught that our will that nothing can limit God in our lives <coughs> except for our will. Do you understand? So how do you like I don't know if you understand what I'm saying? How true, I, how are you? Yeah. I, I understand absolutely, you know, what you're what you're saying. There's a teaching on the trinity of humanity, which we need to understand clearly. Man is spirit, full stop. Okay. Man is spirit, full stop. Then man lives in this body which has been given him for physical expression on the face of the earth. Then man has a soul, okay? The soul of man is the intermediary entity between his spirit and his body, right? So um, this soul serves like the hard drive in your computer in what you call the central processing unit. It is also the same thing as what you have in an aircraft as the black box, okay? Which records every activity that happens within the lifespan from the point of creation to the point of destruction of that aircraft. If you're able to pull up the black box, it doesn't matter how long it was buried, you'll be able to retrieve every information that, you know, um, everything that happened during the lifetime of that aircraft. That's how the soul of man is. Now, the soul of man is the seat of man's will, man's intellect, and man's emotions. You need to understand that clearly. Man's will, man's intellect, and man's emotion. And I tell you, man can never decide. Man can, we're talking about will now, for the will. Man can never decide without the knowledge of good and evil. Mm. Do you understand? So man needs information. Man needs information to be able to act. Exactly like I said earlier on, when you buy your computer, that computer can never function until you begin to load programs on it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Do you understand? It is the reason why you have your senses. Basically, they will tell you you have five senses. No, we have more than five senses. But they focus on your physiology because, you know, that's your physical senses. But your physical senses are simply gates. They are doorways for you to receive information from your physical world. Do you understand? When a child is born, let me show you how critical this is. Let's say we have a set of twins. Uh, we have a set of twins born in Nigeria. And from the date of birth, we separate the twins, we leave one in Nigeria and take one to the United States or maybe to the UK or any other place around the world. 
Okay? 20 years after, bring the two of them together. Are they the same people? No. Are they the same people? No, no, they're not. Certainly not. In their reasoning, in their reasoning, yeah. in their comprehension, mm. in their articulation of thoughts, mm. they're never the same people. But they were born of the same parent. Do you understand? So if it were by hereditary, mm. if it were hereditary, they would still be the same persons regardless of the environment where they grew from. Mm. Do you understand? So yeah. we are made, we are built up by the information that we get. I, I mean, this teaching is so vast. There are a lot of things that I couldn't even go to, you understand, but I needed to just deal with the foundational part of, you know, understanding your authority, you know, as, as the governor of the earth, you know, as a believer in Christ. So I just had to deal with this foundationally today. You know, but there are several things that we need to understand. So to talk about your the place of your will, you don't have a will without a conscience. So, so you wonder why God said, now the man has become like one of us, knowing good and evil. So why did God ask, why did God make that statement? And I asked the question, is it that man was not like God until he ate the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? I, 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 when I spoke on this, uh, I, I, I talked. I thought of this on the radio. Somebody called in and asked the question. I said, "If you say, you know, man didn't have a conscience, so why, why, how did Adam now name all the animals that he named, you know, and all that?" Uh, <laughs> and, I, and I said, "I said, do you even understand why God brought the animals before Adam? Because we read, you know, I, I asked you to read chapter one, two, and three. So you would have read that part, you know. Do you know why God brought the animals before Adam? Okay, let me even ask this first of all. Do you know that if you are reading chronologically, sequentially, you will think that God had created or formed the animals before he formed Adam, right? Because Adam was the last thing before God rested. Are we together? Yes. I'm asking a question. If you're reading systematically or you know chronologically, you yeah. would think that God had formed the animals before he formed Adam, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Because Adam was the last thing he, he you know he created before he rested. But the honest truth is the creation process is completely different from the formation process. After he had created, then he started forming. Because he had formed Adam before he formed all those beasts and everything, all the animals that you see. And at the point where he formed these animals was when he saw that Adam was lonely. Adam didn't have a companion. The reason why God created the animals then and brought them before Adam was to see if Adam would find companionship in any of them. Did you yes, ever sir. know that? Did you think, did you ever see it that way? Yes, sir. <gasps> no. But, no, a lot of us wouldn't have seen it. The reason why he brought these animals before Adam was to see if Adam was going to find a help meet for him from those animals. Not because he just wanted him to name them. 
And then let me give you another shocker. Did animal, did Adam speak in English to say this is lion, this is snake, this is elephant, this is this? Is. And we're from different, different, you know, tribes here. And we know how we call the lion in our language and you know the other animals as it were. Did Adam name them so? So Adam did not call them by the name lion or by the name, you know, this or the name that. Adam only called them by their nature, by the nature of those things in relationship to who he was. Mm. Mm. Do you understand? Which was why when God saw that he didn't find any help suitable for him in those things, God put him to sleep. Read it and see. God then put him to sleep, took a rib out of him and now formed the woman. When Adam woke up, he said, hey, now this is bone. This now, now this is bone of my bone. Flesh of my flesh. Do you understand? So, so there's something called divine intelligence. Divine intelligence. Adam was operating divine intelligence. Do you understand? Yes, sir. A lot of us have locked down our divine intelligence mm. because we are carnally minded. Mm. We need to awaken our our infinite intelligence, our divine intelligence. So mm. when we begin to think, when we begin to think in a very confined, you know, situation, in a confined mindset, you know, focusing on the things of this world, then we limit ourselves completely and we cannot manifest as the sons of God. Mm. So All right. Does that make sense to you? Yes, yes, it does. Thank you very much. Bless you. Amen. Yeah, Choma is raising a hand. Yeah, Choma, please go ahead. Hello, everyone. Hello. So, uh, taking us to the what you said in the Garden of Eden yes. that uh, Adam was not chased out but put out. Was taken out. I'm wondering. So, God, um, God created man to judge the devil, but after Adam was removed from the Garden of Eden, He put. Yeah. Angels to guard the, the garden. Yeah. To so keep man, the to, purpose, the purpose is there to keep man away from the tree of life. Now, when I started, I said that Christ is that is the representation of that tree. That is salvation standing there. What is the purpose of Christ? Christ says, I am the true vine. Right? He says, Any branch that is stuck onto me will bear fruit abundantly. He says, I am the living bread which came down from heaven. He says, he who eats of my flesh and drinks my blood has life in him. He says, he who eats of my flesh and drinks of my blood shall not die. Mm. Mm. Do you oh. understand? Mm. And the purpose of the tree of life is to give man immortality, is to give man everlasting life. Yeah. yeah. Yes, I understood so, that. So, so, so in the state... You see, there's an intermediary season. There's an intermediary season. Christ has an appointed time to come 
on the earth as human being to bring about the restoration, he cannot do that as divinity because it will alter the law and the principles of things. That divinity is dying for humanity as divinity. No, divinity has to come in as humanity to restore humanity back to the place of governorship. So if Adam took of the tree of life and eat of it, it will be the wrong time. So God has to take him out of the garden and keep him away. That was why I asked the question, was it difficult for God to keep him away from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? It wasn't, it wasn't difficult because it was part of his plan. Now this one, as part of his plan, he doesn't want them to eat it, so he keeps them away from it. Do you understand? Yes. You see, we need to become very deep thinkers. And that's what the Holy Spirit helps us to do. Christ said to his disciples, he said, there are so many things that I would have taught you, but you cannot comprehend it now. How be it when the Holy Spirit, when the, he, the Spirit of truth is coming, he will guide you into all the truth. He will show you the things which are to come. He says he will take up me and reveal to you. This is the revelation of Christ you're talking about. That's Christ standing in the garden. And man was not to eat of Christ until Christ had come to the cross. Uh -huh. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Any yes, other questions? I was thinking, will it be right to say that because God already saw that if man remained in the state yeah. and then eats the, from the fruit of life, yeah. or from the tree of life, yeah. that means he will be perpetually in that state forever. Yes, and exactly. Of that. Exactly. You're thinking, you're thinking right. And that's what, that's what this experience is supposed to do to you. You begin to, it's a mind expansion experience. You begin to think like you never used to think. See, when you begin to read your Bible these days, huh, you're going to be reading it from another level. You know what's going to be happening to you? You're reading and you're watching movies. As you're reading, you're watching the movies. There are things that are going to be playing in between your mind as you're reading that it's not what you're reading, but you're reading. So it's bridging the gap for you. It's showing you, you know, things in between what you're reading. It's the power of the supernatural. It's infinite intelligence. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much. Thank you. Any other question? Been on fire tonight. Ekene is up. Okay, two more questions. I'll call it okay, so one, please, why are we baptized if not to? When, okay, I was in part of the Catholic Church at okay. the time, and I was told that we are baptized because we are removing original sin. But you've clearly <laughs> stated that. That was not a thing. We were, were merely instruments of God's plan. So why yes. are we baptized? So why are we baptized? The purpose of baptism, uh, who started baptism? John, right? Yes. yes. John was the one who started 
started baptism. And the purpose of baptism was to identify the Messiah. Do you understand? Are you with me? Yes. After John baptized Christ, he didn't baptize anybody again. His work has ended. The day John baptized Christ, his work ended, period. Because the purpose of baptism was for the identification of the Messiah. Now, the church took it up, right? Okay? And, and also made a doctrine out of it. Now, but I want to show you a picture here. The man, the thief who was on the right side of Christ, the thief on the cross, on the right side of Christ, right? Who, who said to the one on the left, don't have regard for, for authority. Don't you know when to speak and when not to speak? This man hanging here has done nothing wrong. He recognized the kingship authority, the personality of Christ. And he turned around and said, Master, Father, remember me when you get to your kingdom. Christ turned around and said to him, tonight you will be with me in paradise. Did that guy attend believers class? You know, did he attend believers class? Thank you. Did he do, you know, um, workforce training and all those things? And then go through <laughs> no. baptism and then all of those things. See, see, so, so, so we, we need to understand what is crucial. Because when, is it that when you're baptized that, you know, your, your sins are forgiven? You're baptized so you become holy? No, certainly not. That's not what brings you holiness. The only thing that brings you holiness is accepting Christ and receiving his righteousness over you whereby you are made righteous. Your righteousness is imputed on you by Christ. Do you understand? So, so baptism does not, does not wash away your sins. Okay, the last question, I think. Any other questions? Everybody's going to chew on this for a while. <laughs> <laughs> Any other question? Okay, Let's, Esther is up. Okay. Esther, go ahead, please. Good evening, everybody. Good evening. I have a question. The question is, so you're saying about how Opa belongs to God, yeah? And Sorry, I didn't get that part. That's the power that all people all problems good, and then the power that this you do. Oh yes, well, yes, yes. God's power, but then I need I need enlightenment on that point because it's kind of see, yeah. Uh, like, Esther, there is no power. Eh? There is no power anywhere in this world eh, that is Satan's power. <laughs> Do you understand? 
because see yeah. there is no space there is no space uh, in the entirety of the universe put together where the power of god isn't active and it is the power of god see whether you you know let's let's use um, the electrical circuit for instance okay there's a negative you know um, 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 point and there's a positive point right negative charge positive charge right if you draw two positive charges together will you have power yeah. huh if you draw two positive charges together, will you have power? Okay, we don't have our, our basic our basic knowledge of physics. No. So if you take batteries, uh, I don't think so. Okay, so if you if you took the two terminals, uh, like we we have cars, right? You took the two terminals and connected them, you know, the two cables and connected them to the positive terminal. Or take the two of them and connect them to the negative terminal. Will you have power? You're not going to have power. So you're going to have power when you connect both positive and negative terminals. Then power is going to come alive. Do you understand? So in in the in the in the power of polarity. Uh, mm -hmm. The power of polarity. All power is God's power. God created everything. The devil was created by God. So where is his space for creation? Do you understand? The devil, didn't, the devil didn't come and create any power. The devil is working with the power that is already made available in yeah. the universe, which is God's power. So just like, you know, you, you go get a gun. In Nigeria or in Africa, in Nigeria, we're not licensed to carry guns, right? But in the United States, you know, and other parts of the world, people are licensed, you know, civilians are licensed to carry guns, okay? However, in Nigeria, there's a type of gun that you can get a license to carry, you know, as a civilian, okay? There are certain ambitions that you cannot own as a civilian. If you own it, you know, it's 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 against the law. You understand that you'll be charged criminally for that. Okay? So you own a God. That God has the power to kill. But do you go about killing everything because you have the God? No. So the God was created for what? Protection. Right? But now the God has become a tool for destruction. Okay. That's the explanation. That's the explanation. It's as simple as that. Every power is God's power. Um, you, do you know the company called Pirelli? I don't. Pirelli is a, a company that makes tires, you know, like Michelin. You know, some of your tires, yeah. I don't know if, if we still have Pirelli tires in, in the country right now, but Pirelli has a slogan that says power is nothing without control. Okay. Do you understand? So every power is God's power. 
it only matters what purpose you use it for. Yeah, okay. So when somebody is being terrorized, I guess it's yeah. because of lack of understanding and fear. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Okay. I hope I hope we're satisfied with our answers. <laughs> it's been so 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 good. Have you been blessed tonight? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Um, Thank God. Mr. Kennedy is here. He's been watching from YouTube or he came here. Uh, oh, that's amazing. <laughs> Hi, Kennedy. Hello, sir. <laughs> Thank you. Sir. I, was, I was looking forward to having you like since. <laughs> you know, you, you blessed me real good. I, I watched your... I watched your teaching, like you know, it was it was amazing. <laughs> well, you, you've you've been more of a blessing, sir. This is mind blowing. I need to watch this session again. <laughs> well, good to have you. I'm, I'm, I told I told Steve earlier on, you know, we need to meet. There's a lot of collaboration we need to do. You know, um, the the occupying army is is only just begun around here. You know, and um, there's, there's so much that we need, we need to do. Um, probably, you know, like I said, there were so many things, you know, to deal um, as part of the authority, you know, of the believer, you know, understanding, you know, the authority of the believer as the governor, you know, over the earth, you know. And when Christ, when Paul rather um, spoke after his experience in Ephesus, saying we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but with principalities, with powers, with rulers of the kingdom of this dark world, and with spiritual wickedness in high places. Paul was not necessarily trying to highlight four levels of demonic oppressions, but Paul was you know, getting us to understand the four pillars that holds every society. Mm. Mm. And by extension, the rest of the world. Okay. Mm -hmm. So when Paul spoke of when Paul spoke of principality, if you check up your dictionary definition of principality, it speaks of a physical, geographical territory that yes. is governed by a prince. Yes. So, for yes. instance, the prince in Nigeria is is um, Buhari. Yes. He is the principal over the Nigerian territory. Mm, you understand? Now, there's something Christians do not even understand. I've not even entered, you know, the appropriation of the church. We don't understand that the faith that sits at the governmental, you know, position of any nation determines the spiritual influence over that, over that nation. Come on now. And so it was one of the reasons why I, I rejected strongly, you know, the presidency of Buhari. I didn't mind any, any Christian from the North being president, but not, you know, anybody from a faith that, you know, I know will not bring the kingdom of heaven on the earth. 
you know. So when Paul speaks of principality, he speaks of government, leadership and governance. How much influence do we have in leadership and governance as Christians? Mm. When Paul speaks of power, he speaks of economy. Mm. Because economy is power. Mm. Come on, come on, come on. You would, you, would realize, you would realize that a dangote gave money to PDP, gave money to APC, you know, at, at the time of the election. And whoever wins, he still plays, you know, a ball with them. Mm. Absolutely. Because money is power. If you look at, if you, even in the Hebrew um, or alphabet, in Hebrew is not called alphabet. Alphabet is Greek, which, you know, goes down to, because al alpha, beta, that's the adoption in English. But in Hebrew, it is alphabet. The alef, which is the first letter in the Hebrew um, 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 text, has the head of a cow. The image of the alef is the head of a cow, the head of an ox. Because, you know, ox, you know, oxen communicated wealth. In those times, it, the, the number of cattle that you had determined how wealthy you were. So power is economy. When Paul spoke of rulers of the kingdom of this dark world, Paul communicated people who had influence over culture and education, both formal and informal education. So you begin, you begin to talk about the people who rule the media houses, your, your academic institutions, your print media, you know, uh, um, 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 houses and all that. Everything that has to do. So you talk about music and entertainment. You talk about movies. You talk about all those. They are all culture shapers. They are people who influence culture and education. So these are rulers of the kingdom of this dark world. How much influence do we have in that space? How much of the media do we hold? How much are we speaking in that space? And then when he talks about spiritual wickedness in high places, then, then we come down to religious influences. And there are several religions in the world. As believers in Christ, how much how much spiritual influence do we have over our societies? You know, so, so you know, it's, it's, it's one of the reasons why I told Steve I, I needed us to, you know, to, uh, that we'll then, we need to get to meet, we need to get to talk a lot, collaborate, and then look at how we strategically begin to engage systems because, you know, there are designs already, there, there are things that we put in place, you know, how the church ought to engage to take over territories. Because it's, it's all about taking territories. Absolutely. Whether it's in agriculture, whether it's in entertainment, it's in the movies, it's in where, whichever industry, fashion, everything, wherever it is. Education, we should have the finest schools. Sure. And not, not, not built, you know, in the, in, in the framework of Western education, because Western education is largely flawed. You see, uh, this is another long teaching on its own, when we need to do, uh, you know, de definitions of, of locations. 
You see, when God planted the garden, he planted it where eastward in Eden. Eastward in Eden. He didn't make a mistake. God will always tell you specifics, location, eastward in Eden. Wherever you are on the face of the earth, your sun will rise where? In the east and mm. diminish in the west. Mm. Doesn't matter where you are in the world. The sun will rise from the east. It will diminish in the west. The reason why it's so is because light comes from the east. Wisdom comes from the east. Yes, Illumination, sir. understanding comes from Eastern definition, Eastern perspective. The difference is this. Western definition things based on aesthetic value. Mm. But West, but Eastern education delivers its definitions based on functional values. Is the reason why if somebody comes to an occasion driving a Volkswagen, for instance, you know, um, and he gets to the security, they'll tell him, oh, God, go park your car that side, you know, no parking space. But right about when this guy is trying to reverse, there's a guy in a Range Rover or a G-Wagon and just about that moment, there's a parking space for him. Because we appreciate things from how we see. How it glitters. But Bible makes us understand that God looks at the inward. Men look at the outward. Come on now. Come on. So we need to understand how to define things from its functional value perspective, not from the aesthetics. Mm. otherwise we will lose a lot of things and that's one big mistake the church has made because we see it playing out in our churches you know and uh, there's something I didn't do which I was supposed to do I, I wanted to do definitions you know before I started you know the meeting you know so every time I use the word church you know you need to understand what I'm saying because I had far grown away from denominationalism, you know, and when I talk church, I talk about the ecclesia, which is, you know, who we are seated in this place tonight. We, we may not be all in the same room, but we are, we're hearing ourselves and we're sitting, you know, with a singleness of purpose, mm -hmm. you know, so um, there's a lot that we need to do. I don't want to start another session, you know, but um, <laughs> just, just wanted to say that I've been looking forward to meeting Kyrie and there's a lot that we're going to deal, you know, and um, it's going to be amazing. It's, it will be a honor. It, it, it's, it's a very huge honor to meet with you. I'm, I'm amazed and also quite happy that um, the end time army is connecting, yes. you know, and, and that's the most incredible, incredible thing, you know, here. And there's a lot of work to do to replant, to uproot and replant the right yeah. foundations, you know, and um, I trust God that you know, we'll have a lot more of these sessions, you know, to, yeah. to bring ourselves up to speed with what the Lord wants to do. You know, in this in this in this day and time. Thank you so much, sir. It's been an amazing time. I'm Thank gonna you. listen again. <laughs> look forward to connecting with you. My pleasure. All right, sir. Thanks. Welcome. Thank you. Whoa, what a night. <laughs> what a night. <laughs> it's uh Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Brother. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, everyone. It's, it's been an amazing time out. 
Uh, one thing I've, I've experienced with, you know, fellowshipping this way is that we find it difficult to lead. Mm. <laughs> you know, it's always a difficult thing to want to lead, you know, because you're hungry for more. You, you feel like you want to hear more. Mm-hmm. You know, I've started a meeting somewhere in New York here. Uh, there's, there's a, there's a, uh, there's an intersection in the middle of the town that leads to the governor's office and then splits, you know, there's a plaza right in that space. Uh, I started out speaking like 4 p.m. and um, we ended like past 10 p.m. You know, just talking to two, three people and then it became a crowd. I had to mount up the podium to speak to the people, you know, without a microphone and, and people never wanted to go home. So we, we had to force ourselves to go. <laughs> that's, that's what happens in the body. Yeah. Okay. When you look at the allegory that Paul uses to describe, you know, the church as the body of Christ. If we see that, you know, understand that we're all like the arm, the leg, the eyes, the yeah. ears. No part of your body wants to detach itself to go away. You understand? That's what body life does. But when we meet in a religious space, because religion deals us, you know, um, activities and activities are wearisome. You'll be looking at your time. When will this message finish? Let's go home. <laughs> you understand? <laughs> so it's, it's been my pleasure. You know, it's been my pleasure. I look forward to being with the rest of the guys when I come into Lagos, you know. Um, so we'll see. Face to face, it would be a pleasure, and I'm looking forward to meeting Kanye. Probably do a meeting, maybe uh, mm-hmm. when you come into Lagos, or maybe we could do a meeting in Abuja. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, guys, can you say thank you, so Pastor Kelvin? Can you say thank you. Thank you so much, Pastor thank Kelvin. You. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We truly appreciate Thank you, sir. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, sir. We'll drink an awesome session. Thank you. God bless you. Amazing. Amazing. Whoa, it's been an amazing time. Um, You know, like like we said, that's the goal of um, the occupying army. You Mm -hmm. don't send the army into the field without equipping them, one, two, without training them. You know, they need to know how to aim, fire, take territories. And, you know, I don't know what the law in uh, in fighting the war, but I think uh, if you wave the white flag, then that means you're surrendering. So if you don't know the rules of engagement, someone waving the white flag, you still aim and shoot. I don't know what the repercussion for that is. Uh, but it's been awesome. I thank each and every one of you for participating. Uh, For those of you watching on YouTube as well, thank you. God bless you. Um, These conversations just keep opening up new chapters. See where Karate started. You know, we are are increasing tempo and our lives are being recalibrated. You know, the understanding that we've had. Thank God for the spirit of revelation that just keeps opening up more and more things to us because we must understand who we are. Um, Isaiah 5.13, 
that people have perished, have gone into captivity because they don't have knowledge. So when God starts to release uh, knowledge, you know, um, first things uh, that tend to happen is that you start to realign and come into full expression of who you are. Uh, once you understand your authority, then a whole lot of things automatically, you know, aligns, you know, you know, once you catch a revelation of who you are, you don't necessarily have to say some things or decree or declare some things. Many things just align. Once they know you are awake, <laughs> they say, don't mess with this guy, he's awake. Praise God. Uh, so, so I'm so grateful for tonight's session. Uh, we'll just call it a night. We'll, we'll continue these this conversations. I, I thank God for the vision for the Occupying Army, how it started, how it's going. Uh, it's, this information is not just for us to say, wow, deep, but to you know, take it into your day-to-day, -day, break it down and bring it into your day-to-day, -day, the way you approach prayer, the way you approach fellowship, the way you approach you know, work finances, everything. It affects all, uh, affects everything, you know, so be conscious of these things. And then as you apply them, you begin to see how your life becomes better and better. I said, you are the governor of the earth. I love it. Uh, you know, that's why we always say, I have dominion. That's our declaration. I take charge. It is a command I must obey. Me, me being in dominion is a command. So I'm on top because I'm commanded to be on top. Praise God. Uh, so thank you so much, uh, my dear pastor. Truly blessed. So we'll take the conversations and continue on the group. Uh, if there are any questions, follow-up questions from here, uh, then let's start to, let's, let's, let's just continue talking on the group and then share this, uh, the video with uh, people who need to hear this thing. Like you said, it's not about my church, your church, it's a family, ecclesia. The governmental authority, praise God. Many things would unfold after this. So that's our time. It's been a wonderful time. Thank you, Esther. Thank you, Manuel, Abi, Chizwa, Ekene, with the numerous questions. Comfort, Excel, <laughs> Kayade, Miriam, YMC, Omolola, Ore, Timile, Deji. At the back of Timilei, I see you this time. <laughs> Tony, uh, Ufedo, Peggy, and Pastor Kelvin. Thank you so, so much, everyone. I love you all. Uh, we'll see. I'll, I'll announce if I'm, I'm, I'm sensing in my heart that we need to do some prayers tomorrow, uh, but I don't know yet. Uh, but I'll announce on the group if we're going to be praying tomorrow. Just maybe we'll just leave the room open for six hours and just pray. If you have time, join us. If not, it's fine. Uh, yeah, maybe we'll do six hours tomorrow. Uh, you can come in and go, it's no, no trouble. But let's just push further and just establish these things that we've learned. Let it rest. It's not about be, it being here, it must enter your heart. You know, let's press in. Thank you. See my prayer, people. People are hungry for prayer. You know, so so from 12, 12 p.m. tomorrow, the room will be open. Don't wait for me. Just enter there and start to pray. You know, there are no no rules. You know, just start to pray. If I come in later or you might meet me there, depending on how the Holy Ghost leads. So tomorrow, I have a prayer from 12 to 6 p.m. 
And let's just follow the Holy Ghost and see what happens from there. Thank you, everyone. God bless you. For those who are just joining us for the first time, uh, this is Somi Networks. My name is Brother Steve Overt, President. So, <laughs> thank you. It's, funny. it's easy to type. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Or BPP, according to my people. Thank you, guys. So, good night. Thank you to YouTube people. Connect some other time. Bye.